Hi everyone and welcome to the 69th episode of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Colin. Hello. And Lauren. Hi guys. How are you both today? Mm. Um, Very good. Colin is fantastic, Lauren's not so much. <laughs> I'm, 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 I am, I'm actually quite hungry. You're hungry? Have you got any uh, food around? No. No peaches? No, they're all upstairs and I'm downstairs and so many stairs. Oh, that's a shame. You should have got a stash before you kept, before you started the show. You could have eaten them during it. Or she Yeah, but then people would be hearing me going, oh, nom, 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 nom. Or you should install one of those chairs that old people have in their houses so they don't have to climb the stairs anymore. They just ride up it. Yeah, then you yeah, could have the laptop I, on your lap and you could go up and down while still recording the show. <laughs> yeah, but then I have I have to walk to the thing to the stairs and then you hear me om nom nom and ah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be awesome. Colin Just go on, on the, the go. Show. We'll call you Papa Colin. Oh, please don't. <laughs> well, anyway, we've got the typical outline for you guys today. So we've got news and discussion, and then we've got burning question, and then we've got a, an actual one question. One question. <laughs> one whole question. One it's whole take question. A while, guys, brace yourselves. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good question though. Uh, I think we're going to have plenty to talk about before that though. So don't worry, we've got tons of stuff on the way including really? a, a new, new trailer from Square Enix who'd have thought that they would announce what, a new what is game this? Mm-hmm. who is this company and what have they done with Square Enix yeah <laughs> but anyway if you're listening for the first time the show is Final Fantasy Union and it's part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and it's presented by the Gaming Union Network and TweaksMusic.com. It comes out on the iTunes store and FinalFantasyUnion.com. And before we go on to all of the news which came out of E3 2012, I just want to announce that episode 70 is actually going to be a full questions episode. So we're going to try and answer as many of your questions as possible So just dump them in the thread ask them on Twitter ask them in the the thread for this podcast we don't care we just want to hear your questions we we'll just read them yeah well, we want to hear them we'll, we'll read them and then we'll discuss them okay. and the burning question from this episode is going to be the main focus for next episode so try not to ask too many questions about that topic if possible right on to the Final Fantasy news Colin do you want to talk about the first one primarily E3 well it's pretty much the only thing that came out of E3 right yeah well the most Surprising and probably most impressive thing to come and the most Square, stereotypical Square Enix, Square Enix action. E3, and it's Agni's philosophy. Would a you like to explain what that is? A Final Fantasy. It, they called it a Final Fantasy tech demo that they that they showed at E3, and it, it was running on the Luminous engine, the brand new engine that Square Enix, Square Enix's uh, visual works department has been working on for the last year or two and it's all running in real time on next generation software right or hardware it's i'm assuming it was running on a pc that doesn't really bode that well <laughs> no but even then when you consider i mean when you look at other games from other companies like ubisoft had had watchdogs and it's true it's true that looked mm-hmm. amazing that was running on pc and even uh epic Games showed off the unreal engine 4 which looked amazing. I just get a bit so worried. So Agni- I think I think with the Luminous engine, you know, there there is some promise there. Yeah, I mean, I just get a little bit worried when they say stuff like that because obviously the Spirits Within was running on the same real time engine as Final Fantasy IX. Yeah, that well, is impressive. Well, the FMV engine was the same, that, but still, uh, that is impressive. It just shows you the oh, limitations no, 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 of tech. Me, but, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, back to Agni's philosophy. That was four minutes of real time footage, and it looked like their CGI. 
Yeah, it looked, mm. it, uh, in in many ways, I think it looked better than Final Fantasy Thirteen CGI. It, it it definitely did. At, at worst, it was on par. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the weird thing about this was a they called it Agnes Philosophy, and b they called it the Final Fantasy Tech Demo, but c they didn't announce any other Final Fantasy news during the show, which to me is quite weird because we had nothing about Type Zero whatsoever. We had nothing that, about that Versus Thirteen. Me. But they took the time to show us another new project, <laughs> which is now. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's so much a new. Project. Well, it may. It, They're just I showing mean, off the engine. It depends what they wanted to do with it, because obviously there was a website attached to it, and yeah, it had and this huge questionnaire, questionnaire which was basically prospecting for a future Final Fantasy title, which who knows, maybe fifteen. But I mean, it may or may not. Yeah, have any of these elements it could be an entirely new. Thing. It was. A, it was a. It's a weird thing because you know what the fans are like. They're going to take this now and they're going to be just rolling with it. Any time a journalist gets the chance to talk to one of the more senior Square Enix people, they're going to be constantly asking about Agony's philosophy. It it's like the Final Fantasy tech demo, albeit not quite as bad. But it's going to be the same kind of thing until Square Enix actually does something with this. I get the feeling that it's just going to roll on and on and on. Mm. Talking more about the technology, though, that was really impressive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the the ver- it's I the first thirteen I, engine. I, isn't I was, it, so? I was, when 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 I think when I first saw it, I didn't, I, was, I wasn't watching uh, Square Enix's thing, but it sh- they put it up on the YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and I was literally blown away. Yeah, I remember. Um, I think the day after. Uh, that they'd shown it because of, I think I was asleep when they actually announced it um, just hearing this hype about Agnes Philosophy and this Final Fantasy Tech demo and I was thinking like what the hell have they done this again and then I remember watching it and I was just like oh, this is actually pretty cool <laughs> it looks really good yeah it does it, it it kind of retained a lot of what really we've been asking for for quite a while because there was the whole fantasy element to it there was like summons uh, but there was also the modern tech it had a kind of a, a Final Fantasy X vibe to it in that sense um, with the the balance between fantasy and reality, which I think the uh, twelve and thirteen kind of lost a bit. Mm. It's funny because it actually like the, the the design of the world and the characters reminded me a lot of some of the Tales games. Really, which ones? Uh, specifically, I think it was Tales of the Abyss. I'm not entirely sure why. I think like the the way the world looked and the disparity between the two. Yeah, I mean, Lauren's played Tales of the Abyss, so I, I, I don't know if she feels the same way. Um, I don't know. I guess, I guess a bit. I mean, the interesting thing about this is also that um, Nomura was involved with the project. <laughs> <laughs> again, why aren't you working on Versus? Yeah, he seems to be stretching himself a little bit thin again. Um, but I the, guess at the very least, KH3D is coming out in July. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess he's kind of. With with theatrism out as well and um, versus, I guess he just feels that he's not doing enough. He's he, he's he's seeing the wife and kids too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the video is actually directed by someone new to Square Enix, though. Well, he's not new, new, but um, I mean he's been working on fourteen. But it was Yoshihashi Hashimoto, who's previously worked in quite a lot of the Sonic games in this decade. Um, so that was quite interesting. Uh, maybe it's. Um, I mean, if they've given him this video to direct, maybe they want him to be more involved with future games as well. Perhaps. It's not so much that he's new to the company, he's just been mostly in the background. Yeah, well, I mean, f- I think 14 is the only game he's been actively involved in. Because I think he was wor- he worked in Sonic. 14 turned out amazing. In your opinion, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was both a little bit sarcastic and a little bit of truth 
at the same time. I don't know when he was. Um, was it? Is he? Was he part of the new team or the old team? Uh, I have no. All I know is that uh, fourteen will be will be switching over to a brand new engine by the end of the year. Is that part of uh, Final Fantasy fourteen two? Yes, I see. Because the new engine supposedly helps them scale the game for each platform a lot easier than the current one. I see. Well, that means that I guess the PS3 version will actually happen. Well, yeah, it is happening. The beta's October, November, I think. I can't remember. Look, it, when it, it if it happens, it'll come. It'll, it'll be here when it comes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Blizzard's approach to releasing games and patches. Yeah, I mean, as far as we're concerned, the PS3 version was kind of supposed to be there at launch, but. Yeah. That never happened. Yeah, that's another. That's another. That's another topic. <laughs> then again, that that wasn't launched. That, that was a beta. Really. Talking about um, the scale of development, uh, a story came out um, last week, which was very strange. Um, basically, Toriyama was talking um, at GDC Taipei, which is in Taiwan, and he was talking about the experiences he's had with the Final Fantasies of this generation, and basically how badly everything's gone. Um, he was talking about how Final Fantasy Thirteen was a huge mess. Uh, they had at one point they had two hundred people working on it, which was one hundred and eighty artists, thirty programmers, and thirty six game designers, and they just had no idea what anyone else was doing. And there were no milestones, no real discussion between the team. It just turned into a huge mess. Um, and he, the quotes attributed him basically say, and Colin's got a slightly different opinion about this, but he basically says that Square Enix are going to avoid doing any large-scale internal development from now on just because of the troubles they've been having this generation. Um, the actual quote is that he said, we're also th- we're thinking about that we will not do large-scale internal development anymore. We've had a lot of great creators in Square Enix, but for large-scale development, we are going to be doing more distributed and outsourced development in order to reach our targets on time. Now, that kind of concerns me a bit, but... I mean, Colin, do you want to say what you think first before I kind of get in there? All right, yeah, uh, sure. The way I, the way I read it, it sounds it sounds more like Toriyama wants to avoid things like Fabulous over Crystalis because not only did thirteen, or well, in this case, thirteen had over two hundred two hundred artists, but they also have all these different teams working on different projects at the same time. Yeah, it's just, I mean, if you think about what they've been doing for the last couple of years, it's it's absolutely insane how much stuff they've had. And and from what you can gather, I mean, Square Enix used to be an extremely well-oiled machine, especially when they founded. There were 10 different teams, and they all had their own team leader and all their own objectives to fulfill. And it seems that sort of... I mean, Square Enix has always been around for a decade now, and in that time, the, f- the teams have just filtered down and down and down and down and down. And it seems as though, you know, you've got the the premier first-party dudes who are just kind of doing, like, Final Fantasy 13, 13 2, um, Versus. Then you've got the and PSP team, and then you've got uh, who are doing, obviously, Type-0, um, The Third Birthday, Birthday Sleep. Um, then you've got the the MMO team, which is now split into says so I guess there's two MMO teams, um, and then I don't even know who was doing um, uh, three um, Dream Drop Distance. Is that because that wasn't Tabata's team, was it? That was just, no, I believe that was Kingdom, one, of, one of the KH teams. Mm. But is that part of the first party? I don't even know. No, I have no idea. But even then, when you consider it, like there's a lot of cross 
game direction going on. Like uh, Kitase is on all of them, Nomura's on all of them. Kawata stopped working on Type Zero to to do the third birthday, and then for a whole year didn't do anything. Yeah. From what I'm gathering, though, I kind of feel like it's also a bit like they're just tired. Like, I mean, distributing and outsourcing development, like, that just, like ma- that just makes it seem like they, and they deserve one. I mean, it's it's fair to say, like, they've been, a lot of them have been working on these games for 10 years plus. Like, you know, there comes a point where there's just no, there's no heart in it anymore, and there's just work. And I... In a way, I feel like this is kind of a positive. This could be a really good positive for Square Enix. I, I think that's kind of happened to a lot of Japanese companies in general. They've, uh, I think, a lot of them because because um, the games haven't been doing so well. A lot of the Japanese companies have just really been trying to focus on what makes them the most money, and you, you see it with companies like Namco and and Capcom. And a lot of the creative minds of those companies have just left because they've been so stifled that they just don't care anymore. Yeah. I mean, uh, there was um, Inafune at Capcom who just left because he just hated working for Capcom. And um, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy who made uh, Katamari, he just left Namco because, again, he was just so appalled at what they were doing to his franchise and he just couldn't mm-hmm. deal with it anymore. Um, Speaking of people who, who are leaving, Hiromichi Tanaka just exactly, left. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and he left because of health concerns. I mean, really, the guy's not that old. Mm hmm. I mean, he's not in his 40s, and he's been there since the beginning. Like, you know, he worked on Final Fantasy 1, and, and he's leaving through health concerns. And he's not the first person to leave Square Enix from health concerns either. Yeah, well, Nobu Uematsu did do it as well. Yeah, and the, the director of Final Fantasy 12 had Uematsu to leave. left because he just didn't want to commute. Yeah. Oh, wait, who did? Uh, who what? Did? I think uh, Uma- FF12's director. Oh, yeah. FF12's left. director, that's right, sorry. Although Uematsu, he, he did also leave because he was just so fed up. Because, yeah. you know, they were just. Uh, the, the, the expectations they had with him, the fact that he was having to churn out so much all the time. Well, yeah, it's just like, Which oh, is we a have another Final Fantasy game for you to compose, another Final Fantasy game for you to compose, another Final Fantasy game for you to compose. Like, it's uh, just... I think it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's not just that either. I think it's ironic that, you know, he, he leaves because of this stress and this pressure, but it's not that he d- he doesn't want to do Final Fantasy music. He no, d- yeah, he did, exactly. D- he did the entire soundtrack for FF14, and it was I think amazing. It was, I think it was the fact that it was just the, the time constraint, because if you think about yeah. it from his perspective, he did 7, 8, 9, and 10, all within the space of about four years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what, like, five, 600 tracks, well, maybe about four, 500 tracks. But then and that's the ones that got released. Think about the ones he didn't, he did that didn't get released. Then again, with 14, with that in mind, he had been gone for a little while. Like, he had been gone since 10, hadn't he? Yeah, and he, so he like he did. had he had like about ten year about a ten year span off. So he probably was kind of feeling like, oh well, maybe I can do another Final Fantasy. But ultimately, he was. It, it just seems to me that like he was just like, this is really I'm reaching a creative block. Like I felt like he couldn't. It seemed like he couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I may be wrong here, but I believe that's why Final Fantasy Ten he brought. Um, the other guys on board because he he just needed someone else to help him you just can't like it's just you'd have to be a god in order to be able to create that much original music 
for that many games. Yeah, because like, I mean, if you, if, you, if you think about film composers, like, you know, John Williams and people like that, they, yeah. they do tons of films, but they don't have to compose four CDs worth of music no. and for like, a film. And, like, themes and stuff like that. Like, and most... Like, if you think of Hans Zimmer, for example, like, most of his soundtracks have the same, like, score going throughout it. Like, Sherlock Holmes, you always hear the Sherlock theme going throughout it. So it's not like it's that different. It's just, like, a different tempo or it's a different pitch or something. And, like, Inception, you always got that... And, like, the dream is collapsing. Like, it's always... It's always similar. But with Final Fantasy, it, it was always different with each character, like... Yeah, but I mean, trying to bring this back around, um, I mean, Toriyama also said something that was quite concerning in my opinion, and he was talking about how even though Final Fantasy XIII Part II's development was better, it still wasn't actually that great. He was talking about how um, they didn't really allow enough time for the testing phase, so, you know, they got the game done, they sent it away to playtest, and then... They, it, we, and then they had the whole thing with um, thirteen as well. Do you remember that, Colin? Where they sent it over to the West to play test, and then they just didn't do anything with the results. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but regarding thirteen two, even though he says that thirteen two is a much more, you know, polished game than most I mean, games yeah, out it, there. Yeah. So. It certainly is. I, it it just it just baffles me how, you know, he, he can say we didn't know how to do the testing phase. It's like. Square Enix have been one of the premium developers in the world mm. for a, a considerable amount of time and how they can suddenly go from being one of the best developers in the world who pump out games that everyone wants to play to really having no confidence in what they're doing and having no real clue I mean that's what they're projecting that they mm. just I mean they're going to these shows and, and Toriyama's even saying like you know we're learning a lot from going to GDC and we're learning a lot from IDOS. They're the people that should be... Idolizing. Men- yeah, they're the people that should be mentoring others. I think I think there's... Also, you also have to consider that when Square Enix was pumping out all these good games, you know, this, this was mostly in the 90s, early 2000s, and game development has changed considerably since then, so... Even has, companies like IDOS, IDOS Montreal and Crystal Dynamics may be more up-to-date... Con- well, Rega- you... regarding technology and workflow and pipeline development and all, of, but all if of that. You, if you think about it, Atlas is Atlas and like well, the Tail series is kind of just regurgitating itself. But um, Atlas is still releasing JRPGs. I know they haven't for a little while, but it's like you know, there's still people who go back to that classic format. It's think... not like it's that. Oh yeah, I sure. They, 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 they do. I think, but Square mm. Enix isn't a niche. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, well, it's 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 really the whole Square versus Square Enix thing because I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about it, back in the day, like Square, the whole thing was, yeah, they made these fantastic games, but yeah, they also made fantastic graphical games too. Yeah, and I think Japan as a whole has really struggled to keep up with the 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 West in that area. Mm-hmm. I mean, Square Enix still pump out fantastic games with fantastic graphics. I mean, thirteen. Personally, I think it's great if if Square Enix. Square Enix's internal teams can learn from Idos Montreal and Crystal Dynamics and share that technology and why. I, I completely agree. Mm. Uh, my, my my point is that they shouldn't ever have been in a situation where they have to. Yeah. I mean, Square Enix bought Idos because Idos were doing pretty badly. 
Mm-hmm. And, and now Eidos is sort of exactly. carrying it, them with... It's, yeah. it's just yeah. so weird how it's all kind of gone full circle, because if you think about back to the early 2000s, it wasn't well, always the Japanese mm-hmm. developers who were pumping out the games that everyone wanted to buy. You know, if you think about it this way, it's good that Square Enix have realised this. It's a step forward, as mm-hmm. opposed to a step backwards, where they're, you know, okay, we're going to do, like, 13.2 was kind of a knee-jerk reaction to 13's reception. But going back to um, we need to add more buffer time for the player testing in the future, that's the thing that baffles me because I've always heard, and I I witnessed myself when playing it, Final Fantasy 13, Final Fantasy 13 2, the gameplay was not the issue. So player testing, it's kind of like, yeah, sure, but you already have a really good gameplay base here. It's the story that is going haywire and the focus of the story that's going haywire. So that's where I'm just kind of like, you know, why are you focusing on the gameplay? The gameplay is obviously good and it's obviously like much it's it is the future of the JRPG genre really. Why are you concerned with that and not concerned with the story and how the story carries out cuz that's obviously what people still care about with Final Fantasy. It just it's just a weird know. one. I mean, Square Enix seems to learn in certain instances, but not in others. I mean, it's great that they want to look at Eidos Montreal for like improvements in graphical stuff and things like that. But yeah. then, why don't they look at their own game near for like oh the, the fantastic music and the the fantastic the story. story? It's it's like it, it, they they look at certain things but ignore others. I mean. Clearly, they know that the, the the music in Nier was fantastic because there have been like three or four arrangement albums, and they're doing concerts for it and all this stuff. Why don't they just hire the guys again to do another soundtrack? Mm-hmm. I, and honestly, I've somehow, never somehow, really... I think it's not so much that Square Enix can't get the story or the music right because you look specifically right now. What's relevant to us is thirteen and thirteen two. Those two were the ones that have suffered from this the most but then you look at a game like Type 0 now I haven't played the Type 0 story nor do I know Mm. what the story is but basing it on reviews and the reception from critics it sounds like it's a really good game yeah it does yeah it's just strange that they made that one the kind of spin-off yeah Yeah. and then now everyone's obviously waiting for Versus 13 and going back to the Luminous engine that one's using the lighting tech from that engine so that should be pretty cool I'm still calling it Vaporware it's know. not yet Final Fantasy Forever. I'm still bitter that they're sacrificing they're sacrificing good story for better gameplay. It's <sighs> just that balance you've got to keep. It's just so annoying. Anyway, while we're on the subject of kind of things going on, um, <laughs> there was Varna Fest was uh, a couple of was it last week, and um, Square Enix announced some really interesting tidbits about Final Fantasy XI. Basically, well, firstly they announced a new expansion. <laughs> which I think is pretty impressive. Yeah. And the last last one was how many years ago? Oh, I don't even know. Oh I mean, I, I think from their perspective, uh, well, the other thing that they announced was that Final Fantasy XI is the most profitable Final Fantasy game ever made. And I think they've looked at that and thought, if people are still wanting to pump money into it, why don't we just do another expansion? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. And th- this is also why I think Final Fantasy fourteen. you can't count it out of the fight yet. No, but it seems as though... Um, I mean... There's got to be a point where they phase Final Fantasy XI out and try and get everyone onto fourteen. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing fourteen is going to start making revenue for them now. And while eleven's still going, then they're just laughing, really. But the the funny thing for me about this is that they're releasing the game on the PS2. Well, 
people have Final Fantasy 11 on the no, PC? No, they got to they got to cover all their bases. It's on PC, Xbox, and PS2. Yeah. Uh, my friend Nelson, he used to play it on the PS2. He imported an American PS2 just so he could do that. Don't you have to like have that little attachment? On the yeah, back you could have the modem. Oh, it's so weird. It's so so weird. It's extremely weird. And the hard drive as well. PS2 with the hard drive. It was ahead of its time. Well, not really, because the Xbox had it all before. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So Final Fantasy XI is still going extremely strong, and um, I think Square Enix deserves some props for that. I do too, because it, I mean, it's never been up there as a World of Warcraft beta or anything like that. But mm-hmm. no, I mean, the game came out before World of Warcraft. Yeah, and I I remember when I was playing Eleven, it was very much about you played one or the other, and not many people wanted to defect when I was playing it but anyone that did defect ended up defecting for good sad face but I mean if if, if Final Fantasy 11 is still keep is still going and is still making Square Enix money that, that can only be a good thing because I'd rather they make revenue from a game like that than crappy spin-offs yeah it's true the money's coming from the right place even though for I the don't right like reasons. online titles but I, I, I think it. I think if you played Final Fantasy 11 and you had the time to commit to it and some friends to play it with you'd enjoy it I just don't like the half that. Con- con- mm. Considering how FF14 is well on its way to hitting 2.0, I might s- start playing that again. I'm just against subscription services because. Well, a lot of them are kind of free to play now. Yeah, it's true. But and Final Fantasy 14 was, of course, free to play for well over a year. Yeah, I yes. know. But well, there's well, nothing to complain then, about. Then, could I actually play Final Fantasy 14? Did kind of break your computer? It Do did you melt my think computer. That yeah. It would actually play on my laptop. Yes, but even on your new computer, it doesn't seem to like games. Yeah. Silence. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, like, Final Fantasy XI, when it came out, I was really disappointed. Um, hearing that it's the most profitable profitable game is probably... It, it's understandable, since it's... I mean, it's the it's one that's been for the last 10 years. making revenue and has continuously made revenue. But I just don't... I... I just can't seem to work it out in my head paying for something where like I take so many breaks from games. It's if Final Fantasy XI was the only game I played, that would be well. Fine, that's what a lot of people do when they play MMOs. You know, they'll they'll play a couple of hours a day. And and if you think, I I think I worked out that it was like mm-hmm. it was so cost effective. I I put like seventy odd days into it, and I played it for about like three years, on and off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you look at the subscription fee, it's actually more cost effective. The the money I spent in that was more cost effective than buying a standard PS3 game. Because if you if you buy a new, not even a PS3 game, you buy a new game, new re- game at retail every month, say one a month, that's sixty bucks a month. Whereas yeah. with an online game like an MMO or something with a subscription fee, that's like twelve foot twelve fifteen dollars a month. Yeah, and, and so most I don't need most, to do that. most games that you buy for sixty dollars or sixty pounds or fifty pounds or whatever. You play for like about twelve five, hours five maybe hours. now yeah. I think these days it's even less and then you'd never play it again. Whereas an MMO it, No there's there's reason to, to keep going back. <laughs> but then that is why I have Sims. Yeah, or well, you yeah. <laughs> I mean it's not it's not even just like MMOs. I mean, you look at Diablo three, and people have pumped three hundred, five hundred hours into that game, yeah, and, and yeah. that one's not even su- subscription based. Well, and Black Ops as well. But Call see, I would, I would probably play Diablo three because at least I wouldn't feel obligated in order to play it because I'm paying for it. Yeah, I guess. Um, I guess it depends. I mean, a, a game like Diablo three is a lot more restrictive, 
people mm. are playing it, but they're effectively playing the same thing over and over again. Whereas with MMO, you're always achieving something new. And Diablo Three yeah. is more about item farming at this point. Yeah, yeah it's true. The story, the story wasn't all encompassing or yeah. amazing. Yeah. You know, it was a good story, but it's not something that will make you go back and play over and over again. Yeah, well. Anyways. Anyway, right, we're now going to move on to the burning question segment. And um, last episode, we asked you if you would want a Crystal Chronicles reboot on the Nintendo Wii U. We were kind of prefacing E3, hoping for an announcement that never came, but. Um, we all knew it wouldn't come. Yeah, we all did. Well, it was fun asking anyway. Yeah. So, Colin, take it away. Alright, the first one is from The Void on the forums who, who said, I would love a Wii U reboot of the first game. I just don't think it's going to happen. Square is too busy with other stuff to make such grand plans for a franchise that has never been particularly successful. You know what? I think a lot of it will depend on how popular the Wii U is, considering how money-hungry Square Enix seems to be now. I think They've that always if, been that way. I think that if the Wii U is like a huge success, which, in my honest opinion, I kind of feel like it won't be, if only because the Wii has already been done, um... But if the Wii U is a success, I feel like they would hop on a chance in order to put some Final Fantasy game on there. And if it's Crystal Chronicles, then that's fair enough. It's probably that probably would be the logical route since it's still Nintendo. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what they're doing with the 3DS, I mean, they've they're releasing Theatrhythm, which is probably the most low risk game they yeah. could have possibly made for the system. They will definitely turn a profit on that. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Because I mean, it's, it's not even a question. <laughs> no. But I mean, yeah, I mean, they they generally like to go where the excuse me, they definitely like to go where the most revenue is. And mm. uh, you know, I've done analysis of this in the past when people were saying that they had no loyalty. They've never had loyalty. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a third-party developer. Exactly. Mm. They just go with, like, you know, they had loyalty during the PlayStation 2 era because the PlayStation 2 had the market share, which was Yeah, they were loyal to, the, to that install base. Exactly. Whereas, you know, the Xbox 360 came out, it had that larger market share, and, and Sony kind of dropped a ball a bit, and there was no real incentive for Square Enix to support the PlayStation 3 other than loyalty, which they didn't need to have. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and also I just want to correct you a little bit because the Crystal Chronicles franchise has actually been pretty successful. I mean, the <laughs> the original game was one of the best-selling GameCube games, mm. I believe. It sold over a million copies, which in that era was actually quite a lot. But yeah, I think even now a million copies should be considered successful. That's yeah. a lot of copies. Most games don't even break the half a million mark. Going off of what you said about theatrics, Fiat Rhythm, I think Square Enix are also hoping that all the people who bought a 3DS for KH3D will have m- yeah. another reason to buy the KH uh, the 3DS. They so. are coming out exactly at the same time. I mean, they yeah. ha- they actually have three three games lined up for the, for the 3DS. The yeah. first one next week is Fiat Rhythm, mm-hmm. and on the 17th of July, uh, Heroes of Ruin is coming out, and then yeah. at the end of that's July, true. you have Kingdom Hearts 3D. So that's three three games in the span of two months but KH3D is arguably the the most anticipated yeah that's the big one I'm not sure if that if them doing this is the best of strategies though because they did the same with the PSP they had that huge period where they just had a ton of PSP games coming out because they had um, Dissidia um, Duradesim mm. The Third Birthday Lords of Arcana Tactics Ogre I was not a good or Tactics Ogre? No, no, a lot of Arcana. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say. Tactics Ogre was an awesome game. I was really glad that Square Enix re-released that on PSN. Yeah. 
Um, but like, I think um, that was like a mega, mega PSP rush, mm-hmm. and none of the games sold very well. Nah. Well, it was like it was towards the end of the PSP's life, wasn't it? Again, so you had to consider it's the P- PSP where piracy runs rampant, and that's true too. That's such a shame, though. I feel so, and like that really makes me sad because the PSP is really like a fantastic handheld console. But even with the piracy, though, the previous Square Enix games they'd released still managed to sell extremely well. Yeah, yeah Crisis Core sold well, almost two million. Was it 1.7 or it's, something? I can't remember. It's true, but then again... And Birth by Sleep as well sold quite a lot. It still is. It still is really sad that a lot of people... Like, I, I know people at my university who did it, and I don't know. I'm I'm really against it. Well, anyway, the next comment came from Twitter from Little Chris H, who said, Maybe not on the Wii U, but the version on the 3DS would be fun if you had others to play with. How about both... That, it would have, be like um, you know crossplay. It would be like yeah, exactly that. Or you know, it would be like transferring, as Kojima would put it. But on the Wii U and the 3DS. Plus, you can have the Wii U gamepad as an extra controller. Yeah, I mean, um, Echoes of Time. In case you guys aren't aware, was a game that was released at the same time on the Wii and the DS, and you could actually play alongside. You know, fully synced up. And the the weird thing is that. The Wii game was actually a port of the DS game. I have, I have no idea wh- where the logic came from that, but yeah, when you were playing the Wii game, it wasn't full screen. It was um, it was smaller. <laughs> no, like, like I said in like the last episode, I believe I said in the last episode, but Square Enix can do a lot of creative things with the Wii U and mm. the 3DS. So hopefully they they don't drop the ball on that. Well, this next one is from Calum Thirteen who says, would I like a reboot on Wii U? Yes, absolutely, but only as long as it goes back to its roots and avoids new failures like Crystal Bearers. Yeah, I've got to agree with that. I mean, the Crystal Bearers was clearly Square Enix trying to do something new, but I mean, what is it? It's a spin-off of the Crystal Chronicles franchise. Which is which a spin-off is, uh, yeah. of the Final Fantasy uh, franchise. I mean, it's like, yeah. come on, guys, you're getting spin-off a little bit thin spin-off. there. No, so, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think Square Enix, like, if they listen to the feedback, they'll know what and what not to include I mean, if they ever do a reboot. Of yeah, I mean, Crystal, Crystal Chronicles. Chronicles, despite the technical limitations, I mean, the fact that you had to have Game Boy Advance controllers to play the multiplayer, I mean, it still sold a ton of copies, and everyone that I know speaks very fondly of it. Mm-hmm. It's only the games since then that have not been that great. Mm-hmm. they just got to go back to what made it successful in the first place. And I think the Wii U is definitely the platform to I do think that. that's all everyone is asking about yeah, the Final Fantasy franchise well. in general. Alright, anyway, then the, the next one is from Subrio? Subrio? I have no idea how you pronounce Sub-rio. it. Sub, yeah, we'll go with that. Subrio on Twitter who said, I think it will work better on a 3DS, but I would be fine with it, as in the Wii U version. Hmm, that's interesting. I wonder why. Like, I mean, I guess the 3DS is okay. I, I actually would... If I had to choose between the two to get, and the Wii U was the same price as the 3DS, which I know it won't be, but um, I would, would actually probably I would choose I would choose the Wii U if only because I don't use the 3D at all. But um, I guess I guess in terms of like how mobile uh, mobile gaming is going and how people are more so traveling with their games and stuff, I guess putting it on the 3DS would be more effective. And also with the um, 
oh, what's it called? Um, is is it Playpad? What is it called? The the thing where you can connect with friends. S- street pass. Like street spot pass. Street spot pass. pass spot pass is the online one. Street pass. Yeah. Uh-huh. Street pass is the one where you walk by someone and you steal his. <laughs> I, but like you know, with the capabilities of the 3ds, it probably would be. I don't know. Okay. I think, I think um, in Japan, great, but in the West, it's not still so just, much. It's just still yeah. hasn't caught on. Yeah, I want, I want, I want to add again. It's again that mentality of having others to play with, because here, here in the West, you know, here in North America and Europe, you know, you don't get as much people playing portables together. You know, they'll play it by themselves. You don't get anyone but, playing games together anymore. It's all online. But when you think of like. I've I've always said mo- used Monster Hunter as an example because it's perfect. You know, you you get people together to play a game all in one spot on a portable device. You know, because that really defeats the purpose of a portable device. But it's just, it's still it still works because it's it's fun for everyone. Well, I mean, in Japan they all play on trains and stuff, don't they? Yeah. Um. Just over here, no one does that. And over here, you know, just getting new me's is exciting. Yeah. yeah. But imagine little Crystal Chronicle me's, like little little, little, little tees. Oh, little baby lilties. Yeah. Anyway, right. The next one is from Autumn's Hollow, who says, "If they did remake the original Cross- Crystal Chronicles for Wii U, I hope people can actually experience the game in a multiplayer fashion without having to spend loads of cash." Or go through some complicated things just to experience it. I I totally agree with this. If you know we have to buy extra peripherals or extra con- well extra controllers is a given, but you know mm. peripherals is an is is a no go. You know I don't want to buy a ton of like hundreds dollars worth of peripherals just to it, play the game. Isn't Crystal Chronicles one of the most expensive games ever made? I mean, d- like for the for the Wii and the DS version, you, you have to have Wii and then you have to have several DSs. That that's not going to work. At least not not in a not in a home setting, you know. If if you have friends who have like 3ds's, again that's the thing. Using the 3ds as an extra controller that would be great because mm-hmm. people who already have 3ds's can just bring that over. That just seems like a parent's nightmare. I just don't. I don't think it's as bad as it used to be because when the Crystal Chronicles came out, so you needed the Game Boy Advance, and not as many people like the DS exploded. Like, everyone has a DS. Yeah. Not everyone had a Game Boy Advance. I think a lot of people had to go out and buy them specifically just to play Crystal Chronicles with their friends. But imagine like being a parent and like having your kid come up to you and just be like, "Oh, by the way, you need to buy me a new um, handheld console for me to play this game." On the other console. On another console, I would be so pissed off. I'd be like, "I'd be like, yeah, Enix, not not happening." Square Enix, go f yourself. I am not buying another handheld that's ridiculous sure I wouldn't so much like say that. like F yourself to score and it'll be more like yeah kid you don't need to play that game yeah you don't need <laughs> you don't need that game unless if you want to like fake play it like make him a little cardboard DS and be like here you go that is pretend. so sad pretend oh dear alright this next one is from Yumi300 who says I have no idea how it would work on the Wii U but as long as there is something different that comes out for the 3DS system also. I guess it would work... Um, I mean, the, the way it worked on the Game Boy Advance was that anyone who had a Game Boy Advance, their the screen would do something different. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it was four-player, and I guess with the Wii U, you, there's only really two people that can use the tablets, but maybe they could do it so that um, two people uh, control characters on the screen, the other two like provide assistance and, and, and other things like that because 
a lot of the whole multiplayer thing on on Crystal Chronicles was that you had to combine, you had to work together to do certain spells and things like that. So maybe like if two people are in charge of like the inventory, the spells that you can do, and all this kind of stuff, that would work well. And it would actually create quite a good team dynamic, I think. Or if you could do like two Wii U pads and then do a 3DS in case that they have one. I think as long it it goes back to the whole crossplay thing again. I think as long yeah. as Nintendo takes advantage of what they have with the Wii U, the Wii U gamepad, and the 3DS as well, you know, it, it could, you can do a lot of things with that. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, uh, the next episode, as I said, it's going to be the main focus for the next episode. We are going to talk some more about Agnew's philosophy, and we want to know whether you think if Square Enix were to continue developing it whether you think it should be a completely new IP so like completely new characters nothing really to do with the franchise or you should think it should be Final Fantasy 15 we are very much looking forward to what you guys think about that because I think it's a really promising topic and as I said it's not going to go away uh oh <laughs> Square Enix showed us something that we liked it's stuck yep. it's not going to go away until they do something about it that's it yep. and they better not throw a type 0 at us or better not throw do, a versus gonna, 13 or versus 13 no versus 13 and no type 0 curveballs well that is a thing where we are supposed to be getting versus 13 news this year but that's what he says every year yeah. I just think it's amazing how the one thing that we always say about Square Enix is that we don't want them to keep announcing stuff and then they announce something mm-hmm. well they kind of it wasn't even a full announcement it's a half announcement they're getting worse <laughs> <laughs> it was like Please be patient with us. We'll have something for you yes. soon. Yeah, it's, by the way, right, we're going to announce this tech demo. It's, it may be something we're developing. It may not. It's, it's even worse. It's, it's... Here, take a survey. Oh, yeah. Suddenly they're just going to start cutting off mid-sentence at their, at their press conferences. Just be like, hi, my name is... Done. That's done. Yeah. See you next we week. We're announcing... <laughs> and that's it. What, what, are you, what are you announcing? That. That. <laughs> What's that? points <laughs> oh dear right so um as i said we've only got one question for this episode and uh colin do you want to take it all right the question is from hasio who who is recently signed up on the forum he's been pretty active and he asked which final fantasy game do you want to see made into a movie and or a television series i'm gonna be a complete troll here and say final fantasy 7 just, I want us to do deserve I a you? slap over the. I want them to do it properly. I want them to do it properly. Okay, just, I would. I want avid children they, to just not exist. See, they they can't not do it properly because they can't even do the game properly. Uh, well, a remake. If they were to do a remake, they're gonna have to pull hey, look, in all this of is, these this resources. This is the sky stuff. Okay, yeah. it's, it's my opinion, Colin. I'm, yeah, I'm pretending true. that the remake never happened. Mm. <laughs> I'm going back in time to about 2004. Setting your DeLorean. Yep. And uh, Advent Children never happened. Square Enix having internal meetings. They're thinking, right, what can we do to make the most money for the least time? I know what. Final Fantasy VII is our most successful franchise. Let's do a compilation. So, what we do is we have a film called Advent Children. We just make sure it doesn't suck. (laughs) It has a story. Who'd have thought, right? We can have a game, we can have a film with a story. No? Maybe. I'm going to be a troll here and toss in The Last Order. (laughs) End case of Denzel. The Last Order is just a complete mess. Yeah. Case of Denzel was actually pretty good. Denzel. I have I have a couple ideas, if I may. Um, well, one for a television series. I think that Final Fantasy IX would make the cutest 
freaking kids' <laughs> television it, show it, ever. It could be a TV series about Vivi's children. It could just be so cute. Like, the amount of characters in it. It would just be awesome. It would be going back to, like, or, old television shows. Or the Black Mage cartoons. Village. The Black Mage Village. We could mm-hmm. do it. You could do, it like, a sitcom about the Black Mage Village. <laughs> or, like, yeah, just something like that. But for movie... I think that they should take a leaf out of the Digimon movie, what they did. But um, basically what they did was there's a story in the Digimon movie where um, something happens where a computer gets a virus or something and everybody has to access their Digimon in order to, in order to attack this virus that's in this computer world or something. I'm sorry. If that's completely wrong. I haven't watched the movie since I was, like, 12 or something. But anyways... Um, what they did with that was they liked the story so much that they expanded it and turned it into a completely separate entity called Summer Wars. So basically they re-released the same story, but for people who didn't necessarily know about Digimon or didn't really like Digimon, they re-released it and made it something more. I think that they should do the same with Final Fantasy VIII. Especially if they include stuff like um, the theories of whether or not Squall is dead or whether or not Renoa is Ultimessia. And I what think, the hell happened with Norg? I think that... I just I just feel like it would be entertaining. And if they, of course, accordion it a bit and make it more... Um, make it shorter, I guess. But I think, I think it would probably make a really entertaining movie. Um... But yeah, and it would also be accessible because it's um, it's the only one that is a lot less fantasy. Well, compared Final Fantasy VII is the same. It's but, like Twilight. But like Final Fantasy VIII, what? Did you just say Twilight? Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> it's more like um. I'm what? not sure if people would take that as a good thing. You know, <laughs> Final Fantasy it was, it was it's just like Twilight. Sparkles. I was just talking. I was just thinking about the the, the age of the cast members. Um, I don't know. And Squall is a superhero. Like. Well, Seven's cast members are pretty young. Hey, there's Barrett in there. He's not young. You know what? I'm we casting freaking 30-year-olds who look like 18-year-olds in this movie, if it happens. Anyway, Colin, what's yours? Sorry. Personally, I think the one... Well, the two Final Fantasy games that Square Enix can do a lot with, as in turning it into a movie or a TV series are the online games FF11 and FF14 mm. people could actually get to experience the stories yeah and like properly fleshed out stories or even like um, I forget what the name of the game was but Sony has an MMOFPS coming out the agency no that, no, not the agency it's, planet it's side a, it's, it's a not planet side it's a, sci- it's a sci-fi game um, with dust not dust Come on! How many more do you want me to say? <laughs> they have a lot of MMORPGs. What can I say? It's just it's 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 they showed it off at E3. Though it looked like Starship Troopers, and I forget what the name was. It totally eludes you sure that me. Wasn't but Dust what, 5. what 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 they're doing is sorry. What was that? You sure it wasn't Dust Five One Four? No, it's not Dust Five One Four because Dust Five One Four is PS3 PC interconnectivity. What they're doing with this one is the events in the game affects. The television series. Oh. So whatever whatever players do in in the game, the consequences of that is reflected in the accompanying television series, which is supposed to premiere on Sci-Fi or the Sci-Fi Channel. Are you going to be playing this game and watching the TV series? No, because I don't get the Sci-Fi Channel here. 
So how are they? How are they going to figure that out? Is it just through trophies or questionnaires um, or something? N- I could, they uh, can no, stats in game. Yeah, they okay. can just reflect the game world or something like that. I don't know. You look at Guild Wars two, and they have this persistent world where everything is affected by player player decisions. Mm-hmm. So with, uh, I think they could do the same with FF eleven and, and FF fourteen. Yeah, I'd say so. That'd be quite cool. Content. Yeah, definitely. So I think that rounds out that question. Mm-hmm. Thanks for asking it, and hopefully next episode we can get a ton more questions to go through. Uh, I think it's been a while since we've had a proper question uh, session. I mean, we usually get about two or three an episode, but I think we're saving we them can, for the next one. Aren't we? Yeah, I think it would be good if we get like <laughs> a good ten questions. Yeah, ten a whole ten of them. Yeah, we'll, we'll go for ten. You know what? Let's make it fifteen in lieu of FF fifteen. That would that <laughs> that was never announced. You know, we just think it's Agnes' philosophy. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, music. Um, just in case you guys aren't aware, OC Remix have just announced, well, they've just released a new album, which is uh, a rearrangement of Final Fantasy 1. And uh, in light of that, we have got a song from that, which is called Secret to Bound. And it's an arrangement of Matoya's Cave by Midgar- Midgarian Sky, which is Colin's second favourite theme. Second only to the town theme. And we were going to put a town theme one on there, but Colin didn't like it. Uh, Nah, the rapping killed it for me. Although, to be fair, at least there wasn't any dubstep. Yeah, well, you didn't listen to the full of it. There might have been some later on. Then definitely a no-no. Matoya's Cave, however, or Secrets of Bound, sounded like a solo guitar riff. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's a pretty... um, pretty chilled out piece so hopefully you guys will enjoy listening to that at the end of the show i just figured out what there's 15 there's 15 letters in agni's philosophy <gasps> conspiracy theories conspiracy theories what was that whole one about the versus 13 with the mirror as well about the it was about being on ps3 wasn't it there was that whole thing about the letters mm. i have no idea i can't remember what it was about now but it was yeah they're very big words there was whole there, there was a whole conspiracy theory about that. I, yeah, I'm sure some people know what I'm talking about. Others probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyway, right. So the next episode of Final Fantasy Union, which is episode 70, is scheduled for release on the 31st of July. Hey, that's when KH3D comes out. Mm-hmm. It's all planned. And you can subscribe to it on iTunes. Yep. If you just type in Final Fantasy in the iTunes store, we are the number one. Or if you just want to go to Google, type in Final Fantasy Podcast or Kingdom Hearts Podcast, we come out to the top search result. A little bit of trivia here. Apparently, if you type in Unionites, we are number one as well. Wow. Yeah, yeah, Unionites. And of course, you can catch out every episode of Final Fantasy Union, along with all our Final Fantasy news coverage on FinalFantasyUnion.com. And um, hopefully, before the next episode airs, we're actually going to have something to show you guys for the next iteration of the Final Fantasy Union website. It's actually looking pretty tasty. Is it nomable? Nomable. I'm not sure about that. I think you're going to be the one that has to uh, decide that. I hope it's made out of chocolate. Colin, we could probably sort that out for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's chocolate filling or something. I don't we know. have to have smell vision, and it just pumps out chocolate smell. Why don't they just make you hungry and want to eat chocolate? Um, no, 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 no. That's okay. That's chocolate okay. sales go up. We'll release Final Fantasy Union chocolate. I'm sure the Square Enix have already done that. <laughs> not Final Fantasy Union chocolate. They, they, are, they, they have released Final Fantasy themed perfumes, yeah. sodas, and oh, all I remember that. that. Jewelry. Yeah. 
I did have I did have Renoa's ring. Well, Squall and Renoa's rings. The potion drink. Yeah. Potion. Well, anyway, guys, it's time to say goodbye until the next episode. So please. Goodbye. All right. We'll see you on July thirty first. Yes, and I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a tweaksmusic.com and FinalFantasyUnion.com production.